Welcome to Coffee, Beans, and Booze. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Shyla. And we're thriving in a small town. It's caffeinated Jasmine and drunk Shyla. It's time for Coffee and Booze. Clink! Hey, Shyla. How's it going today? Hey, I'm, I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Been an interesting week, as, as so many of the COVID weeks are, but I'm good good so yeah. i was supposed to be yeah. in indiana this week i was supposed to be there that's right uh with my students at the international thespian festival um our students um by participating in their state level chapters did really really well we were evaluated and we took this incredible pilot project of amelie all the way to states and then uh we would have been going to indiana because we were selected um as one of the top col- uh, high schools to perform and um, they wound up doing it virtually and we were streamed but you know it's a little different a little difference being home so excited to celebrate their accomplishments but they they should be celebrities walking around with t-shirts on and really uh, getting some accolades from their peers which is one of the coolest things to watch you know to, to watch peer yeah. support like that but yeah, yeah that how about fun at, at yeah. states Going, mm-hmm. being a chaperone there and seeing seeing how people reacted to them mm-hmm. was really great um so anyway, well especially just, seeing them seeing them be storytellers about how community um supports each other uh amelie is a story about um a, a girl who never really learns to love because she doesn't have that example and how as an adult she can still gain those skills and how her community really wants to care for her because the their ultimate want for her is not money or fame or anything else but their ultimate want is to have her know how to love and to feel that love and so when you watch peers support that type of story in a world where we all need more love yeah a little little bittersweets so proud of the students always so but really wishing that they got to feel that that love that everybody needs so much so but yeah Yeah, and my husband was supposed to have a week vacation for me right he was starting to fundraise to send me to indiana with you so i know know. (laughs) i love that he fundraised to get you out yes i hear you for sure and then you could have made a family member and a color color cutted chart of who goes where and what and what they eat for dinner oh, yeah and, yeah totally it totally would have been a thing but no mm-hmm. he he actually just you know he likes to support the things that i like and he's mm-hmm. not a person as we talked before that likes to travel and so he's happy no, to let and, me do my thing and get and my derek time is away a really and, good friend supporter too like he really believes in supporting the things that you love and you're passionate about but he really does a great job of making me feel the same way and i would be lying if derek if i didn't say that Derek has opened my eyes to that, that being a really good friend is supporting the passions of your friends. And um, he sort of taught me that lesson. Maybe you don't want to tell him that. I don't want to tell him that I, I learned uh-huh. so much from him. Well, he but, you know, listen. He's fine. That's true. He does, <laughs> you know, that's true. He's not our demographic, right? Um, but, you know, but that idea that when, when you love and support your friends, you love and support the wonderful causes that they are passionate about. And um, and and youth yeah. communication and collaboration is so much mine. And, and he does a great job of that. And he knows you're such a big piece of that. So, yeah, yeah, so I think fundraising yeah, to get you out of his hair and to support that, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was like, and you're going. But no, I mean, mm-hmm. even in like college, like he, he's not actually a huge fan of musical theater. What he no, really but, likes to do is go mm-hmm. and support the people who are in it. And that's mm-hmm. always been the case. Like he's he would go with me to shows at, at LVC and he'd be mm-hmm. like, just don't tell the baseball guys I was here. <laughs> like, you know, he, he didn't need that yeah. rep, but you know, mm-hmm. it was, uh, it, it's good. He uh, he just mm-hmm. likes to support people. And actually he'll, he'll get scheduled of like the students who um mm-hmm. who are friends of ours and try to show up to things and like to games of theirs like he's mm-hmm. just he's just that person and i don't 
I don't know where that comes from from for him. I I think his parents were very supportive and they were they were around a lot. Uh, Derek has often said that he will never miss a game of Mm -hmm. like Noah's like Mm that or, you know, when Lucas starts to play stuff, too. He's just he's just that person. And and it's it's kind of it's humbling in some ways because I'm like, well, I'm going to New York City to see Mean Girls. So I'll miss my kids first T-ball game. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it's a different pressure of balance. There's a a different pressure of balance of self care. (laughs) for men and women and we've talked about that before but I think Derek's just an incredible um, example of how you can provide support to people in a lot of different ways sometimes that's by shelling you know yelling for support at the top of the mountains and sometimes it's about being physically present and doing what your skills lend to do and so you know I yeah. think it's a really it's a really smart way of, of saying like he is thriving in his small town by being that constant supporter and some of that is by supporting you so you can support us and, and vice versa Oh, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. he's one of these people who is really good at honing that conversation of like, um, how can I be supportive, but knowing kind of what he's capable of doing? Because, mm-hmm. right, isn't isn't that sometimes it, it's a struggle for me? I know it has to be a struggle for you when people are like, hey, just let me know if you need anything. Uh, like, That's you a know. giant question. So- it's just so hard. So hard. This is one of my, now talk about privilege pet peeve, right? Okay, one of my greatest pet peeves of life really is when people are like, let me know whatever you need. And I'm like, do you know what I need? I need to not be the determiner of what you can do to help me. Like you're watching me move, tote, fetch, support kids, bake goods, uh, you know, come up with new technologies, whatever they are. Take a look at this Mm -hmm. and say, hey, I see this event is coming on Thursday the 15th. What can I do to help supply what's needed for that or something like that? Because sometimes that mental bandwidth of figuring out what someone can do to help you is actually time you could have just spent doing it. And so um, I really appreciate when someone says to me like, hey, if I provide a meal for this, will that help you? Or, you know, if I come and I, I go through the shirts and I distribute the merchandise so that you can then do the fundraising with that, you know, it's a specific task and that specific specificity really helps I think a, a lot of times yeah definitely you've yeah, got to have that and I don't think it comes you from have a to bad have place mm-hmm. yeah no, oh my gosh no yeah, it doesn't it, yeah. it doesn't yeah mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't come from a bad yeah. place but you know people want to be involved and it's really hard to just figure out how to yeah I mean through this whole COVID thing people have been unbelievably mm-hmm. supportive of all the things that we're doing at the Karen Cupboard in, in such a in a way that's like I've, I've just been completely humbled and and just you know so thankful for mm-hmm. a community that's risen up and said you know we want to help and and now I'm getting pushed back because there's not enough spaces for people to sign up to help so I'm You've trying got, to figure out how, how dare can, you not I need more volunteering <laughs> I know I mean it's yeah. really great but I've had several people reach out and you know mm-hmm. some volunteers who it's a, part of the problem comes in that uh, when COVID happened, um, what, you know, when the shut the, the shutdown, the mm-hmm. state shutdown happened, um, I had sent out an email to the entire volunteer base, basically saying, you know, if you're scheduled, don't mm-hmm. show up. You know, right. we're going to work on scheduling people, and I meant that from a place of. This is a a group of people, and now I'm speaking generally, and of course Mm -hmm. this does not apply to everybody, and I want to put that out there, but, you know, we're working with a group of people who were 
who are mostly retired, who really consider their time as a job and Mm -hmm. they view commitment very, very like, which is wonderful to know that you can depend on them. Absolutely. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if they're not going to be in, they're a group that calls, there are somebody who emails or texts or whatever. So it's yeah. So for them, it was it was they would show up even if it meant that they could get sick. And right. so I didn't want them that to have that pressure. And so I sent out this email and mm-hmm. said, hey, you know, don't show up. And now it's kind of come back on the other side that people are like, well, we're, we were told we're not supposed to come in, so we're right. not. And so I'm trying to like rewrite that narrative now. So it's been a little mm-hmm. bit of a struggle bus. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting because yeah, people mm-hmm. I just, you know, when this whole thing started, let me know how I could be helpful. So I just keep redirecting everybody back to our website. Well, and, and I even find myself saying that. I how many times have I said to you like hey what do you need and I'm like you know what I can check out your volunteer page and I can sign up for a slot because you don't need that extra piece you know sometimes I will say to you like how about I come by because you just need somebody who's going to do whatever you need in that moment I mean I'm a firm believer that sometimes an extra hand is helpful that pushback from volunteers though when you can't keep them busy or you don't have something um, planned that's a lot of pressure I think too I know when there are certain events and you have volunteers and they feel like they're standing there waiting for the next thing to happen um when we went to state competition this year we had a little bit of that because we we only had two hours to set up that's part of your competition is that you take and you move all of the sets costumes everything for your show into Mm -hmm. a space you've never been in before you have two hours to set everything up and confirm some lighting that you didn't get to program ahead of time it's really quite amazing what what the task is ahead of you and so we said to all the parents like we're gonna need you like we're gonna need your help well it turned out that our kids were so efficient in what they did and we had we had done a plan we had done like a dry run of what this is like to set this up that we were ahead of schedule so then we had parent volunteers show up who who then we didn't have anything for them to do in that moment and we thought oh they're gonna be so excited they're gonna be so thrilled that we're like 40 minutes ahead of schedule and no, we got the pushback on no, the other side. They were like, well, what do you mean I'm here and you don't have to? Because they wanted to be part of the excitement, right? There is a piece of volunteering that that does um, make you feel good to be a part of what's needed, right? And like that idea yeah. to feel needed, like we do, right? We need to to feel like we're needed in our community. And, and I think that is part of thriving in a small town is knowing you have a place and a piece in it, you know? And, sure. and so, so I think managing yeah. volunteers in that Keep way – it's yeah. really a lot. It it is. It one is of a the lot. things and I, and I often yeah. say to the volunteers when they show up like, you know, sometimes it gets a little slow like right at the end mm-hmm. of distribution and I say, you know, I understand you've come to give your time and not to stand around and so like, you know, mm-hmm. here are some things that you could do if you wish to. You right. know, I tr- I try to be cognizant of that because I don't want to show up somewhere and it looks like there are 8,000 people on in a right. CU, you know, of people and and I don't need I, I'm not needed because we all have time efficiency, you know, like mm-hmm. we we want to make sure and that we want we're people to know their time time is valued and and we do care and we do want that and so you know my my pet peeve of being like when people are like hey what can I is because I know you do this with your organization and we try to do this with ours and and I try to do this with work as well which is to be specific and to write those tasks in a way that Mm -hmm. there is good leadership in them so that people really do know what we need them to do and and that we do value their time fascinating Mm -hmm. it is fascinating though the interpretation that comes I'm sure I'm like Mm -hmm. 
Oh, okay. That's what you took from what I said. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. oh <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm always amazed at like the questions one can have, even though there's the directions. I actually have this with you sometimes, Shyla, because I so much don't want to cause you or your volunteers extra work. And so when the Booker family goes in to do something and you've left instructions, I'm like, am I doing this correctly? Because I don't want to yeah, cause yeah. you more or whatever. And I'm sure you're like, just put the stuff in the bag. When I say seven yes. items, I mean seven items. Just take the seven items, put them in the yeah. bag, make the deal, you know, kind well, of and, thing. And my role yeah. that I tell everybody mm-hmm. is, um, are you doing, are you doing what you think is good? Like, mm-hmm. are you doing, is it, is it in the end benefiting the people, right? right. Like, it, it, it's mm-hmm. more about, like, if you're making a decision, that decision mm-hmm. should be for the betterment of the organization or for the betterment of somebody. Like, there's no wrong people centric doing good. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. So do you, is that a way of, that yeah. you go about, you know, would you categorize your leadership as being competitive? people-centric or organization-centric or do you see both of those things aligning? Oh, that's a good question. I, I think you have to see both of those. You know, I, I think one of the biggest things you're tasked with, tasked with as a leader, uh, you see this in both of your, your jobs as the director mm-hmm. and, and as at LVC, I think, is you, you have to be the one who can always stay between two worlds of the moment but mm-hmm. also the aerial view, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's always balancing that because, yeah, I mean, I, I one of the criticisms that I get for from some of the volunteers is like, well, you've already thought through all of these things, and I, I you know, for me, there there's like kind of this process of like, okay, if we try X thing, uh, these are the things that could potentially happen. So. I have to arrive at like what I think is the best answer. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I'm not really great at letting volunteers do things or make decisions because I have already thought through all of the pitfalls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and you I have see to that as about... due diligence. They may see that as yeah. lack of input, right? That's the two yeah, different sides right. of that, right? Mm-hmm. It, there's a balance and all of that. And uh, there's a really great book that I read. Um, I'm going to botch the name. Better, faster, smarter, smarter, faster, better. I don't know the three words, Mm -hmm. but in some order. Uh, And it talks about um, the Google model is to make sure that everybody in the room has the the ability to speak. And Mm -hmm. so when I have operations team, I really think through like, has everybody had a chance to speak? Has everybody had a chance Mm -hmm. to offer input um, and to hear my input um, and and to say, well, maybe this will work or maybe it won't. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's a lesson. I mean, it's, it's really tough because... You know, there are some things that are just I have hard and fasts on, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, we just can't we can't do some of some of what people think is is um, okay to do. But then there are other things that, you know, I'm I'm not gonna get upset if somebody put something mm-hmm. out and they weren't supposed to or whatever. Right. You know, like again, picking my battles, figuring out what you gotta what pick is, your what battles. Works, you know. That that whole idea of the the shared I don't want to say shared governance, but shared input section of things. You know, I always call that like the game show model kind of a thing because. Is when you when you're running a meeting and you're doing a piece and you want everybody to kind of have their thoughtful input for some people that comes like they need to take it all in first and then they can give you information other people lead with the information before you know they're like the leaders of that piece and so I find that as the 
the head of those conversations a lot of times, you know, I have to kind of look around the room and be like, okay, well, Susie, what do you think on this piece? Or, you know, would you appreciate some time to think about that and then ring your bell when you've had a chance to think about the question? Like, Mm -hmm. it's this idea of sort of being not the game show host in a flip way, but truly being the one who game show hosts work on the flow of something, right? They, They work on the flow of from an entertainment standpoint, but this is the flow from an, from an educational standpoint, right? Making sure that everybody, right. all of the studio audiences, which are all of the members of your board or members of your committee or whatever it is that's around the table, all feel a part of engaged in it, right? And it and it's interesting. Sure. So I always call it that piece, and I, and I really don't mean it in a flip way. I mean it in a game show hosts are the people who are listening very intently to what's happening and working the flow to make sure that we have an overall product in the end and i think you know that's kind of where that piece comes from and so yeah yeah that's definitely applicable to what we Mm -hmm. do and just trying to yeah yeah appease people because as we've spoken before volunteers come at stuff for very different reasons and you know and Mm -hmm. and supporting and you want to meet that that need too right yeah Yeah. we're trying to make sure that our volunteers are receiving what they need as much as what the organization needs i know there are some leaders who are very much about um a one more of a one-way street to that that like volunteers are there to serve the mission Right. Okay. But right. you have an organization and we have an organization. And I find that 99.9% of organizations are people based. And so for me, that's kind of a two way street of leadership, making sure that, um, you know, we have worked into our mission that it's an organization where people would like to know that they are welcome to stay involved as long as their lives meet that and want that. And that when they don't, they can still be involved in whatever level they want to. Uh, kind of a piece. yeah so yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's it's a tough thing and you know our our job at the Karen Covered is so physical mm-hmm. um so you know if, if if volunteers don't feel comfortable on the computer which I have plenty of mm-hmm. volunteers who you know when we trained to do our database we had a couple of people who had never touched a computer before so mm-hmm. it's really something to to be aware of so w- when if they don't if they can't function in that, um, it's really hard to find them places that they can function well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's a challenge because you spend so much time then trying to figure out or like helping them to be updated on communications mm-hmm. or whatever. If, like if, if I have them doing a, like an office task, um, sometimes it takes me more time to explain it than to do it. And that's that's a hard one for me. I get it. I, I have that challenge wanna, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to be a jerk, right? Like I don't want to be a jerk and be like, you know what? I got this. But at the same time, like I want them to be involved. So mm-hmm. it's it's a and, – and I think part of it for me, to be fair, is that it's me, one other full-time person and one part-time person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're running a nearly million-dollar organization on basically nothingness right. in terms of staffing. And, and you don't have and the so luxury of that. Waste. Yeah. yeah. No, I totally get that. I actually struggle with that in my day job more than in my nonprofit life. Um, you know, um, I I work in a really supportive environment. LBC has always been really. Um, they've appreciated what I bring to the table. They've always made me feel that way. And one of those pieces is they give me the opportunity to be able to help delegate some of my things when they get particularly right now and and everything being so linked to online education. But it's hard for me when it takes time to explain something or like you know how do you get a consultant or someone who isn't familiar with your organization up to speed fast enough that they can help you. And so mm-hmm. I know you struggle with that piece too, where you know you don't you don't want to not use a resource of someone, but at the same time, if it's going to take more than you just to do it, you want to just do it. And yeah. that's always been a struggle for me, um, for sure. 
definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think mm-hmm. it's been helped. We have we have Molly, who's great. And she, uh, we have started, I, I had wanted to for a very long time, but just the, the time-wise just didn't work out. Um, she actually does volunteer orientations. Mm. Um, and that has been a huge game I should changer talk with for her. us. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, because then, um, you know, she gives a tour. She gives an idea of what where people mm-hmm. can, can plug in a little bit better than just like show up on a day and we'll figure you out. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, that's so unfair. But like, you know, right. when you feel like you're drinking from a water hose all the time or fire hose all the time Mm -hmm. like it's it's just so hard to be on top of all of that Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's it's a challenge i mean volunteer management is no easy feat for anyone i mean you know it's 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 Mm -hmm. a thing so yeah Yeah, our guest today is a prime example of that uh sue jones um is an incredible volunteer organizer um what i think is so interesting about uh sue is um she is one of the most thoughtful listeners which you know is something that i appreciate so much um but she's really about making a meaningful volunteer experience for people at all different levels. So um, she was the director of admissions at Lebanon Valley College for a very long time. She uh, then was in retention. And for the last couple of years, she has been the director of alumni programming and, and programs um, actually, I think it's director of alumni and parent engagement, if I'm speaking correctly. But yes. um, she um, she really does an incredible job of she has so many different types of volunteers, everything from those who sit on an advisory leadership council, who are people who, you know, extremely high in their careers, who are literally sharing their intellectual knowledge, um, all the way through to volunteers who are schlepping Oktoberfest. I'm sorry, we call it homecoming now, I guess, homecoming uh, materials, you know, to set up events. And, and everything else and everything in between. And I'm not sure that I've ever seen a leader who does so much variety of volunteer engagement um, to such a successful level of truly making someone know how they make a difference, um, how they make a difference yeah. to the community they're helping. Because at the end of the day, that is why a volunteer gives their time is because they care and they believe in a mission right. and they want to make a difference. Yep. And so I am just continually trying to watch and learn her ability um, to to really help with that volunteer momentum. And um, so I'm super excited to share that yeah. with our listeners today. Uh, Sue Jones is just a, a fantastic person and has been a mentor to so many. And so, um, so I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for the opportunity yeah. to share that with everybody. Yeah. Hey, Shyla, how's it going today? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm so excited to have our guest, uh, Sue Jones, here with us today. We all go back pretty far, right, in our LBC days. We do. I'm pretty sure that I met Sue Jones. I was 17 years old, and I was a senior from Bishop McDevitt High School in Harrisburg. Go go Crusaders. And fun fact, Sue also went to a Bishop McDevitt, (gasps) but uh, not the same one. Not the same one, right, Sue? So welcome, Sue Jones. Yes, and your Bishop McDevitt is located where? So the other Bishop McDevitt, my McDevitt, is in Wincote, which is Philly suburbs, so outside of the city, and we are the Royal yeah. Lancers. Oh, the Royal Lancers. Fancy oh, pants. Oh, wow. And what were your colors? What are the colors of, of Bishop McDevitt? We were You're, gold and blue. Yeah, okay. And you were? We were black and gold. Yeah. Oh, oh, we had the gold in common. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know funny. for sure. Yes. And Imagine my confusion when I arrived at LVC as a student, I won't exactly say when, but there were other people that went to McDevitt, and I didn't know how it was possible I wouldn't know them. And so, lo and behold, there's a Harrisburg Bishop McDevitt. Surprise. And 
Indeed, it is a thing for sure. So what brought you to this area? How did you find yourself in central Pennsylvania then? Yeah, so I I have um, an older brother who is 14 years older than me. And my childhood was spent watching him play sports. And he went to a he went to Franklin and Marshall in Lancaster. So we mm-hmm. traveled around to small colleges where he played football and ran track. And so I went to a lot of the same places. In fact, I said for years, I'm just going to go to FNM like my brother. But lo and behold, mm-hmm. as luck would have it, I uh, looked at Lebanon Valley and I met some notable Kathy Tierney who would coach she was the field hockey coach and uh, the the chair of the psych department at the time Dr. David Lasky and I said you know what never mind FNM I'm gonna go to Lebanon Valley College and I never I had a little bit of a similar thing I thought yeah I thought I was gonna go to Dickinson my whole life and then I came to LVC and I met Sue on my visit day and I met Ron Good on my visit day and I literally my whole life I thought I'd go to Dickinson and I was like no I love this place and I love these people and Mm -hmm. Sue can you tell us a little bit about your position and what you do in your life Um, but also a little bit about you've stuck with this community for quite a while Mm -hmm. and have had quite an impact on it so you know why that impact is so important to you. I feel like for you, those those questions go hand in hand. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so interestingly, I um, I'm currently the director of alumni and parent engagement, and this is, I think, my fifth or sixth position LVC, and. I actually went to LVC. I was going to, I didn't really know exactly what I was going to do, but as it turned out, I wanted to be, uh, I studied psychology and I wanted to be a teacher and maybe a coach. Um, I thought that seemed like a lot of fun. And my cooperating teacher was somebody, I think you both know, Terry Baker. Um, I student taught. (laughs) Oh, that's right. I never knew this. Talk about, okay, friends, this is life in a small town, right? Right here because I had no idea. Oh, yes. No way. No way. And you ran for the hills when you had him, right? Well, fun fact. (laughs) So when I added education to my major and Doc Summers was my advisor for for secondary ed, and he came to me and he said, Susie, because he always called me and still calls me Susie, but he (laughs) said, Susie, I know exactly who I want you to be with for student teaching, but he doesn't like student teachers, won't take them. <laughs> and I said, That sounds about okay. right. Yep. <laughs> I'm not really sure what you want me to do with that, but you're just going to have to meet him and, and, you know, wow it. <laughs> I said, okay. So I met, um, I went to observe in Mr. Baker's classroom, and um, I don't know about the wowing part, but he wowed me. And, you know, so I, he did agree to take me, probably as a huge favor to Doc Summers, but uh, what a great, he was a mentor and a teacher of life um, to me, and, and he, he's amazing, and I really appreciated my time with him. But truth be told, as a, as a you know, a Catholic school, 12 years, really sure that I was ready for everything, um, you know, schools might offer. I, I was very sheltered. And so I, I was applying for teaching jobs, but I also applied for college 
jobs because I was a tour guide at my, you know, I was a student worker. I gave tours. I filed. I, I helped around the office. And I just thought, you know what? Um, this is pretty cool, too. And as luck would have it, LVC had a job in admissions when I was you know, still looking. I was, I guess, maybe if several months out of out of LVC, and uh, I said, "Oh, this will be great. I'm going to do admissions at LVC for two years." And it's um, so I was in admissions, and then I did a little stint in financial aid. Then I went back to admissions. Then I did a little stint in retention. Then I went back to admissions, and uh, I've spent the last four years in alumni. <laughs> it's funny because to me, I needed some new tricks. Yeah, all so of those I, things are so natural for me to see you in because you truly are a person who entrenches in the community. Whatever community you're a part of at the moment, mm-hmm. you know, I can see it in the smile on your face, in the greeting you have to other people. Have you always had that sense of community in your life? Like, did you grow up knowing that you were going to be someone who was a leader in a community? Did that come naturally to you? No, I don't think so. I, I mean, uh, you know, I was very, I was very lucky with my communities, and I think, you know, part of that uh, in the neighborhood that I grew up in and the schools that I went to, you know, small Catholic schools. But uh, one thing I always loved, I loved school. I really did. Mm-hmm. Like I, I loved all of my school experiences. I loved the college, and I think what happened was it, it just, it was fun. Every single day was something new, something interesting, new people. You know, every job that I've had at LVC has been about connecting people. You, you know, you you're might be connecting high school students and families to the college, or in retention, you're connecting um, kids to services. Uh, and then, of course, in alumni, you are connecting alumni to to a whole host of things. Other alumni back to the college, continue connections. Which, I mean, you, you name. Um, and I think that just sort of evolved mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as I as I have uh, as I've evolved with it. And I've had great people along the way. And and it is a great community. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I certainly never intended, but. Uh, that wasn't my my point, you know, twenty some years ago. But um, but I love it, and uh, it has certainly given way more to me than I've ever given to it. Mm. That's yeah. how we always feel about things, right? So yeah. I have a question for you. Uh, you're you're kind of, I guess, a newbie in in alumni uh, relationships. But how do you think um, social media has changed the face of alumni connections? Because I think there's a really big difference between a class that graduated in 1950 who, you know, came back for a reunion year in 25 years. And really, it was a reunion, right? Mm-hmm. But I stay connected to so many of my college classmates that, like, a reunion is like, okay, it would be great to be back on campus. But I already kind of know what's going on I know when life. your kids sneeze. Yeah, yeah. like, it's, mm-hmm. it's that sure. kind of, yeah. So how do you see that, like, playing out in, in what you are trying to do and in, in maintaining a community of, of students who graduated from LBC? That's such a great question because it, it has pros and cons to it. You know, I think you hit it, Shyla. So you can, you can watch people on social media and you know their lives or you have a window into their lives. And so people might not think they physically need to be present at an event or a, um, a reunion because they have that. Or on the other hand, at times it gets people really excited. Um, 
to reconnect with the college. Some of our most successful social media posts connect alums with their past professors and then you sort of see them commenting to each other. So it, it can work both. It can really work both ways. Um, and I think it's, you know, Facebook is really the face of, um, dare I say older people, but like me and older <laughs> so they're using Facebook, whereas the younger people aren't. And mm-hmm. um, so which is very funny yeah. and interesting to watch. So shout out to Dr. Mark Meekum, who is, uh, have you noticed he's new to Facebook? So a <laughs> beloved um, choir instructor, yeah. uh, history of music. I mean, truly, you had asked me earlier this year to, to tell you who my two most influential and, and favorite professors were, a few of them, and Mark Meekum would most definitely be one of those because he had such a high quality of what he did. He has joined Facebook and he is so thorough in how he responds to everyone. Like, I am a little concerned that, like, we might have to help him or that he's going to spend his whole life just responding to people on Facebook because he's that loved, you know, and, and that thorough. So, too, that's so true. So, Sue, so what you said there, so absolutely true for sure. So, yeah. And did you notice that alums were pointing out to other alums that Dr. Meekum was on Facebook? And and so it became this real cycle of information. Completely. And actually, that's how I knew. When someone tagged me and was like, he's a huge draw, right? And he is because he's so authentic. Like his leadership, I think we never really questioned or thought of because he's so authentic. So, you know, Sue, what do do you think? You're you're such a leader in our community and, and so many people look up to you in that way. What do you think is the role of authenticity and leadership. I mean, do you think that's something that like, you know, people can feel it, they can smell it if something's not authentic? I absolutely, you know, especially with things that are happening in the world right now, um, authenticity and folks just being their genuine selves is, is so critical. And that's who you respond to. I think, um, Many folks can spot from a mile away when somebody's issuing a company line mm-hmm. where they're saying the thing that's supposed to be said as opposed to, um, you know, what they gen- genuinely value. Um, and I, I, I think, again, working in, a, in an educational community, in a small community, um, it, it really helps. You, you have to develop that. You, you learn to develop that. You work towards developing your most authentic voice and being who you are and presenting uh, things as openly and as honestly as you possibly can. So you work with a, a whole bunch of different generations of leaders. You have leaders that work on leadership council for you. You work as a mentor to, to you know, young students as they're, as they're becoming Valley ambassadors or different things like that as, as well that, that I know comes out of your office. Um, do you find that that's something to remind the generations throughout that that authenticity is something that you know is a is a skill you're looking for across the generations, regardless? Well, I've always been. I think one thing in that I've learned in alumni is an LVC person is you know they they are they are fairly authentic all the way through it there's there's not a lot of um how can i say this uh mm-hmm. what you see is what you get mm-hmm. they, they sometimes are, we like they that are, and sometimes we don't yeah. right <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. 
sometimes, it, yeah, it can be uh, certainly um, something that requires a lot of thought and skill but uh, to handle. But I, I, I really feel as though there's something really connecting there in the in the education and what you're doing, why you choose an LVC, what you're doing there. And so each generation has its own, you know, they they have, you know, kind of the things that were important to them. And uh, obviously, there are different opportunities that were available. I think authenticity is something that that we we share. Mm-hmm. And uh, when one person meets another person, they, they oftentimes really connect on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just have to be reminded, well, it's not the same as it was back mm-hmm. then. It's a little bit different, but uh, sure. For sure. this is always, they're incredibly interesting conversations. Well, I, I think for that sure. you uh, took a leap of authenticity in uh, giving us your little bio that said that you were a Cowboys fan. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but like you came from the, the suburbs of Philly. How could you do that to your people? <laughs> uh so I like to think that I just had really good taste right from the get-go, Shiloh. Oh, the smack talking. I have to tell you, one of the funniest and, things um, that our listeners will not get is that your entire posture, Sue, just changed. You literally were like, and I'm ready. Like, I am up for this. I loved it. I wish there was like a video conferencing around here. Amazing. Yeah. You are a diehard fan, aren't you? Die hard, yes. Since birth, I like to say. Oh, uh, when cool. I was in second grade, our neighbors moved to Dallas, and they sent me a Tony Dorsett jersey that I wore. It had holes and the teasing and the kidding and everything else. And I'm waiting patiently uh, for my Dallas Cowboys masks to arrive oh. so I can be uh-huh. ready for the summer and the fall. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm good. sorry. I, I had, I just had to get that little, the, that little jab in. I am not an Eagles fan. I'm actually a Steelers fan, but you do actually have another, Steelers fan. Yeah, yeah. I, you do actually have another big um, sports role in your family, right? There's something mm-hmm. like this golf course thing you have going on, right? There's a little golf, there's a little hockey, there's a, little, a lot of things <laughs> yeah. going on, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> I think um, the Karen Cupboard is visiting uh, Fairview Golf Course, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, maybe not this year, but we plan to move our golf oh. course over at Fairview. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's it's a tough year. It's a tough year to figure out. Well, and to make those decisions for where yeah. your donors are and things. So you yeah. you have an annual golf outing Correct. that happens each other year yeah. that your uh, your donors and your supporters are really beneficial of, and you're looking to move that to yes. Fairview, this would have been our first year uh, there. which is yeah. the Jones Family Extravaganza. Yeah. I like to call it, right? Yes, absolutely. It's it's an all-in affair, isn't it, Sue? So, I mean, it is a family affair for sure. Yeah. It is a family affair for sure. Um, so my husband's, my husband's family's business, and it's our backyard. And uh, so Jim has worked at Fairview for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And he, and now my daughter accompanies him to work. Uh, we have an, a nine-year-old little girl who loves nothing more than to around with her on the golf cart and uh greet people see people help him change cups she uh we have a wonderful staff who take care of her and help raise her and we watch golfers um you know well these days we watch them all day long since we're all at home but um, <laughs> yeah uh, you know it's, it's a it's a lot of fun it's funny because it's, i i watch yeah. alex and you know i i adore alex um alex spends some time with me at theater camp each summer and i love seeing her though it's mm-hmm. been really great to visit with you guys some at the golf course and to see her there and she really is 
quite the little leader of things. I mean, it is her land and what she's doing. And I, you know, I watch her. She's got this wonderful little like playhouse and stuff that's right in the middle of this absolutely idyllic golf course. And I am so excited to see her as she grows and what she grows into. What are some of like the leadership types pieces or the characteristics that you're hoping to instill in this beautiful young lady that you've got going on here? So that is a great question. Uh, you know, one of the, and, and my husband, Jim, is so good at this. He, they have pretty remarkable conversations at 530 in the morning when they're, they're starting their day. And some of it revolves around that message of, you know, you represent this. The, the family, the community, the business that is Fairview. Mm-hmm. So your choices of right and wrong and how you handle yourself um, reflect not just on you, but on on this business, on our family. And, uh, you know, she has, uh, you know, remind some folks about behaviors on the golf course. Um, she she has <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she has certainly watched uh-huh. some interesting experiences here, and and the and the conversations about how you handle your how you uh, you know what what is right and wrong, mm-hmm. what are good manners. Golf is a game of etiquette, uh-huh. and uh, mm-hmm. so that's there cool. are a lot of life yeah. lessons to be learned oh, here at Fairview Golf. Yeah, of course, that's for sure. When it sounds like you have a really great community of of people who are around you and and, you know, there's nothing better than having a community of folks helping to to instill values in your child, because sometimes I know my kids don't want to hear it from me. So sometimes when you have other people around you kind of reinforcing those things, it makes it just all that much better. Oh, and, and it's exhausting, right, to be that only voice. They're, they're not going to hear yeah. it. And so I know we're always very happy for there to be all of your voices in our children's yeah. lives, for sure, for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so we're we're so th- thankful to have you on as a guest. Um, we just both of us adore you. You and you admire just, you, yes, and yeah. and and hope that we have turned into the leaders that you would like yeah. for us to be. For sh- for, for sure. For yeah. Sure. So we always ask three questions of our our interviewees, um, and we'll let Jasmine kick it off here. So um, you've known me a long time, and you know I represent the coffee beans in this, which is pretty funny because you know I only drink decaf. So, um, but what I'm wondering, what is your favorite? <laughs> coffee drink uh we run into each other from time to time at the coffee bar what what are you ordering when you sidle on up there so my favorite thing is the skinny vanilla latte i love that um but i'm also just a happy girl with a with regular coffee um any day all right fair enough and uh so i represent the booze side of this uh and so my question for you is what's your favorite cocktail or booze or alcohol i guess beverage Adult beverage. So especially at this time of year, the White Claw. Mm-hmm. I am definitely a fan of the White Claw. It's many uh, different flavors. And um, so that has been, you know, the, especially on the sunny, warm days, that is an amazing thing to cap the day with. Yeah, for sure. I'm right there yeah. with you. I, I'm a White Claw girl myself, yeah. and I take zero shame in it. Like, <laughs> I am like, I love it. I'm all about it. So we will, we will definitely have to share some White Claws. Well, um, our very last question, um, and Shia will ask this to you, is, is actually my favorite question of these interviews. Um, I it, it touches to the heart and soul of, of why we love to surround ourselves and with people like you who are doing amazing things in our small communities. And so, Shyla, with our yeah. last and final fantastic question. So the last question is, uh, Sue, uh, what is your passion? So my passion is Lebanon Valley College. Uh, 
Um, it's really cool, and it is representing the institution and, uh, you know, drawing people to it um, or connecting, reconnecting people to it. And, you know, for me to be working with you two on this call and uh, means the world to me because uh, you, you mentioned admiration, which uh, I don't deserve, but uh, as community leaders and and as, as women who were duty, um, that connection to the college and our shared experience means the world to me. So, uh, well, thank you. That is my passion. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you know, you have to remember that you inspired us and a million people like us to be yeah. strong and bright sure. and and well spoken and um, passionate people in this world. So we yeah. thank you so much yes. for your time today. We thank know these you. are busy days. And I hope you get some beautiful time outside on that lovely golf course. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you both. This, this is great fun. Thanks for listening. I'm Shyla. And I'm Jasmine. And we're thriving in a small town. It's Kevin and Jasmine and drunk Shyla. It's time for coffee and booze. Clink.